Before moving deeper into ethical theories, I would like to touch very briefly on one aspect that pops up often in class, namely ethical relativism or moral relativism. This theme seems to crop up in every class on ethics, and even I fell for it as an undergraduate. You may recall that in my talk about Bentham, I mentioned that he was attempting to find a basis for moral judgments, which would be independent of personal prejudices, religious biases, or general social whims. He thought he found a principle which would be universal. It applies to every human being now, or in the past, or the future. It has a grounding in the basic forces of the world. We move towards pleasure and away from pain. This timeless universality is what we mean, or what we intend to say, when we make ethical claims. If I saw someone pushing a red-hot branding iron onto a baby, I would yell, stop that, it's wrong. I would assert this wrongness here, or anywhere else in the world, at any time in this world's history. It will be wrong any time in the future as well. I could say that my declaration is absolute. I intend my words to be absolute. All the theories we examine have a sense of the absolute which underpins ethics. Ethical relativism rejects this position and claims that all judgments are relative to something, to a culture, to a society, or to an individual. In a multicultural society such as Canada's, we are loath to suggest that any new culture is wrong in any of its beliefs. We want to embrace diversity and reject ethnocentricity, which has been imposed a lot in our history. The philosophical approaches to ethics which we look at in this course also reject ethnocentric approaches. They all challenge the cultures from which they emerge, as I hope you gathered from a quick look at Bentham and Mill. Slaying relativism is possible, but I always feel a bit like Heracles, slaying the hydra. This mythical creature had a hundred serpent-like heads on long necks. Each time a head was cut off, two more sprouted. Exponential growth is really annoying, as we can see from the recent COVID-19 numbers. But Heracles discovered that by applying flame to the open wound, he could cauterize it, seal it, and slay the beast. Slaying this hydra would be a serious digression. It would consume vast amounts of time and energy, and in the end, it turns out to be pointless. I do not think the ethical relativists are logically consistent, or they have not thought through the implications of their view. Just two very quick examples. Individual relativism. Each one of us is the judge of what is right or wrong. Right? The mass murderer, Ted Bundy, used this logic in justifying the rape and murder of women. It's fine for him. There's no absolute standard of morality, so nobody can say he was wrong. If you wrote a paper trying to justify such a position, and it was given an F, you could not, by the very logic of the paper, object, because the greater also has an individual right to judgments. Individual relativism is simply stupid. Cultural relativism has been around for a long time, too. The Greek historian Herodotus wrote about it. One comment I will make is that diversity of opinions does not logically entail that there is no correct position. 
millions of people, billions of people, in fact, can all believe that X is morally right or wrong. And they might all be wrong. Appealing to the popularity of an idea is a standard fallacy. It's called the ad populum fallacy. I don't care how many Nazis believed it was right to, to gash, gas Jewish people. It was wrong. Or consider female genital mutilation, the slicing off of little girls' genital, genitals so they can never enjoy sex. I don't care how many people think it's right. I'll say it's wrong. I will argue my position with logic, with reason, with philosophy. If you wish to read further arguments against relative, ethical relativism, I will leave suggestions in the description area of the podcast.